Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Radio Omnigot podcast. My name is Simon Eger and in this episode I will be talking about my adventures in Polyglot Land. Now you may be asking, what on earth is Polyglot Land? Well it's a word I just came up with to refer to these annual events. The Polyglot Gathering which takes place in May every year. The Polyglot Conferences which takes place in different places each year in October and Langfest in Montreal in August. I have been to all of them, although not every single one that's happened, and there are other smaller events around the world as well. So I want to give you a flavour of what happens at these events, and what I get up to, and what other people do as well. So my adventure began on Tuesday the 28th of May 2019, when I got up way too early in the morning to get the train to Birmingham Airport to fly to Bratislava. My journey went smoothly, and it cost me more to get to and from Birmingham Airport, from Bangor, where I live in North Wales, than it cost me to fly all the way to Bratislava, and the flight was quicker than the train journey. So I arrived in Bratislava on Tuesday afternoon, and got a bus into town. I had been to the Polygon Gathering in 2018 in Bratislava, and booked the same Airbnb, because I knew where it was, and I knew how to get around that area so it didn't take me long to find it and to settle in. I wasn't feeling great, pretty tired really, so I didn't do anything special on Tuesday night. I just took it easy and enjoyed the wonderful thunder and lightning and heavy rain that greeted me. The um, lightning was very close. You know, when you see a flash of lightning and you count until the thunder comes, then you get an idea of how close the storm is. And it was almost simultaneous, so it was very close indeed. The rain was very heavy. But I was warm and dry in my nice little Airbnb apartment, which I had to myself, in the Petrushalka district of Bratislava, which is just over the river from the old town, and not far from the conference venue. So on the following day, on the Wednesday, I had to get up fairly early again, though not quite as ridiculously early as the day before, and I went on a tour the three countries tour, because in that area of Slovakia, you're very close to two other countries, Austria and Hungary. So we had a bus and a guide and a number of other polyglots went on this tour. We started off from the University of Economics, where the polyglot gathering was taking place, and we drove into Hungary, and we had lunch there at a traditional Hungarian restaurant. And then we went over into Austria, and we had afternoon tea there and coffee by the Danube, which was very nice, and we went for a walk up the hill to see the the castle of Heinberg, from where we could see Bratislava. (laughs) It's not that far away. And our guide told us that in 1989, after the Berlin Wall came down and the borders between Eastern and Western Europe fell, then almost everybody in Bratislava just walked over the, the border into Austria, because before they couldn't do that, so it was a novelty. And they went to visit the nearest village on the other side of the border. And the the Austrians living there were rather surprised to see so many Slovaks coming over to see them. But these days, people can just go anywhere they like. They can live in any of these three countries and travel between them. Some people live in one country and work in another one. And it was quite thirsty work climbing up the castle. It wasn't a particularly hot day. It was rather cloudy, in fact, but at least it was dry. So afterwards, we went to taste some wine. Or at least the others did. I don't drink, but... uh, They seemed to enjoy themselves, and then we returned to Bratislava. And then in the evening, I was back at the University of Economics for the opening ceremony of the Polyglot Gathering 2019. 
where we were introduced to the various organisers and, and told what was going to happen. And I caught up with a lot of people I knew from previous events and got to know other people. I got to know a few people on the trip, on the tour. And then the next day, the polyglot fun began. So the main events took place from Thursday to Sunday. And each day, there were up to six different events taking place at any one time, between 9 or 10 in the morning and late at night. So there were lectures and talks and workshops on all sorts of different topics in English and other languages. I did workshops on Scottish Gaelic songs, and I did a joint workshop with a friend on Scottish and Welsh dances. And I went to many different interesting workshops and talks on all sorts of different things. I learnt some dances and songs and generally had a great time. So here's some of the things I went to. One of the organisers of the Polyglot Conference, Richard Simcott, who speaks more languages than most people have heard of, started things on Thursday morning, talking about his own experiences of becoming a polyglot and what it means to be a polyglot. And there's a lot of debate about what exactly is a polyglot. How many languages do you have to speak? This is something I've talked about before. But of the people attending the gathering, I would say on average most spoke about four or five languages maybe. Some a few less, some a few more, some are learning many more. But there weren't many who spoke more than about ten. Such events are open to anybody who's interested in languages, no matter how many you speak or you are learning. Whether you're learning your first foreign language, or your 31st, or your 51st even. And then what else did I do? I went to a talk about language exchanges. How to get the best from them by a gentleman from London who went on 500 or more different language exchanges in three months, learning various different languages, and explained how he set them up and how he got the best from them. Then there was um, a talk on different languages and why different languages have uh, different kinds of writing systems by Gaston Doron, who's written a number of books. And um, what else do we have? Uh, oh yeah, there was an interesting talk on Polari, the secret language of the gay community, which grew up from thieves' cants, slang, uh, theatre slang, the old lingua franca, which was used by sailors in the Mediterranean, and such like. I, I mentioned it a bit in the last episode on slang, I think. Then I did my workshop, which went well. I got quite a few people. The Scottish Gaelic Song Workshop, I had quite a few people came to take part, including one person who could speak Scottish Gaelic quite well, and then his girlfriend or wife who was learning it. And people did their best to try and sing the songs. I chose ones that are relatively easy, although to me, I've been singing these songs for over 30 years. Even the easy ones might not be so easy to, to other people. So, yeah, people enjoyed that, which was great. And then I went to a talk about loan words by Brian Lu, who's another um, prolific polygon, originally from Malaysia. And he was talking about words like tea and coffee and why they're so similar in many languages. Then in the evening, there was the International Culinary Festival. So people who were able to bought snacks and food and drinks from their countries to share. And then there was polygot karaoke and polygot games in two separate rooms. I went to the karaoke for a while and people were singing along to songs in various languages, which was quite fun. But I didn't stay out too late because I was rather tired. So that was day one of the gathering. On day two, Friday, I could have started it with a bit of yoga, and there was dance, and um, whatever talks. What did I actually see, though? 
Oh, I went to one about um, learning language by watching TV and, and films, and then had a little break and went to one about Eurovision songs and why it's usually the English language songs that win. Oh yeah, I had another break. You know, there was so much going on that I spent time um, talking to people. I needed to keep up my <laughs> my streaks on Duolingo and other language learning apps I'm using. So I, I've just got into the habit, so I do it every day. So I found time during the day to do a bit of that and just to chill out because although I like socialising with people, I'm not much of an extrovert. So I can take so much and then I need a break. And then it was time for my Kaylee and Tumpath workshop, which I did with Maureen Millward, who's from Scotland, but lives um, somewhere near Manchester, I think. And she taught them a few Scottish dances with my help, and then I taught them some Welsh dances. And we didn't have a great number of people, maybe about 14, 16 at the most at any one time. And there was more for the first half of the workshop. It was a two-hour-long workshop, and not everybody stayed to the end. But those who did, they really enjoyed it, and the ones who didn't also enjoyed it, I hope. And it was the first time I actually taught people dances. I, I go regularly to dances, which, which is what gave me the idea of doing this workshop. But um, I hadn't actually tried to show how other people had to do the dances before. And it was fine. I think uh, the music I, I had could have been a bit better. Because what I'd done is take some tunes that seemed to be the right length, the right style, and written them out in Muse score, and then played them back through speakers from my computer. And Maureen found um, suitable Kaylee tunes on YouTube and used those. And that seemed to work better. So if I do a similar workshop again in the future, I might do that. And then the evening, there was a networking event for people working in language-related fields. I didn't bother to go to that. And a kind of short talks event. I looked into that briefly, but didn't stay. So I went back and did a bit of work had, and um, had an early night. Then the next day, oh yes, I could have started with a bit of Tai Chi, but what did I actually do? I don't remember. My my favourite talk for that day was by Kelvin Jackson about singing in Finno-Ugric languages. So we learnt some songs in Erzia and Udmurt, which are two languages spoken in the Caucasus region of southwest Russia. What else did I do that day? So Saturday, um, I was just kind of talking to people, practicing my languages, and generally having fun. And then in the evening, on Saturday evening, after dinner, all the, the food was provided, or well, lunch and dinner at least, was provided in the university canteen. If you wanted to, I'd, I'd um, decided to do that because it was easiest. And um, it wasn't great. It was basically chicken with various things most days except on Friday when we had fish. Um, but it was convenient and it was good to talk to people, socialise while, while eating. And um, yeah, so after dinner, there was a um, talent show. Polygots have got talent, which I took part in. Now, this year's gathering was a bit better organised than previous ones in that things like the Polygots got talent show was actually arranged beforehand. You know, people who wanted to take part had to ask to take part beforehand, and then they told the organisers if they needed any particular equipment, instruments or microphones, whatever. So on the night, it all went pretty smoothly. And I sang a song, which we'll hear at the end of this podcast, called Echoes on the Tongue, 
or Abyssinia Aratavod. It's one I wrote earlier this year about endangered languages written from the point of view of the words of those languages. And that went down well, and people liked it, which was great. I didn't win the contest, but it was a lot of fun. And other people sang songs, some they'd written themselves, some traditional ones from their culture or from other cultures they're interested in. And there was a stand-up comedian from New York who was very funny. And there was a dancer from Ukraine who did some hula dancing from Hawaii. Holding it at a polyglot gathering, you might see that. There's one um, performer who played the guitar and improvised songs based on words or phrases given to her by the audience, which is rather impressive. So that was Saturday. And on Sunday, the final day of the gathering, there were more talks and workshops, of course. Now, what did I go to? I went to one about neuroscience, about how the brain enables us to speak which is very interesting, although I was pretty familiar with the, the concepts because I studied it during my MA in linguistics. And then what else was there? Oh yeah, an interesting talk about um, music from Mexico with lots of examples. And um, that's about it, really. I didn't actually go to many talks and workshops this year. I was too busy talking to people, having fun and having breaks and studying and doing other stuff. In the first two days, it was wet and chilly and rained pretty much all the time. But then on uh, Saturday and Sunday, the sun came out and it was warm and very pleasant. And there was an area outside the university where people could go. This was the non-English zone where you weren't supposed to speak any English. Because often when people only had one language in common, that language was English. I mean, other common languages include French, Spanish, Italian, Russian, uh, Mandarin and a few others. Esperanto is spoken by many of the people there, and in fact the organisers are all keen Esperantists, so aspects of the gathering are based on Esperanto events, which are called Congressoi. For example, the Aragatareo was a room where you could speak any language but your native language or English. And in, uh, yeah, that was in on uh, Sunday morning, actually, I went to the Alligatoreo for a bit and was greeted by one of the participants speaking in Latin. And he's the only person I know who can actually speak Latin fluently. He speaks many other languages as well. And he prefers not to speak English when at all possible. So in the Alligatoreo, who's speaking Latin the whole time, and I could understand pretty much all he was saying. There was a few bits I wasn't sure of, but from the context, it was pretty obvious. And other times I was talking to him, we were talking in uh, Spanish, French, German, Mandarin Chinese, even Portuguese, which I don't really speak, but can, I can understand. To some of the conversations I had, the other person was speaking in a language I understood, like Portuguese or it uh, Italian or Russian, and I was replying in another language that I could speak well, like French or Spanish. <laughs> so it was a bit funny at times. And some conversations just went between languages. You start off in English, and then you switch to French, and you might slip into um, Russian or Czech or Italian or Spanish or whatever, depending on how much you can speak of each language. And I also met quite a few people, most of them I knew already, who spoke Welsh, and some who spoke Irish, and even the couple who I mentioned who spoke Scottish Gaelic who came to my song workshop. I didn't meet anybody who speaks Manx, Cornish or Breton, although when there's one guy I know there who, who has learned a bit of Manx, and another who has learned a bit of Cornish. But I could have spoken all the languages I've studied and speak well, which I did as much as I could, and all the other ones I've kind of dabbled with. 
and as well as getting to practice my languages and learning dances and songs from around the world, I also did a bit of juggling. There were quite a few other jugglers there and people who were keen to learn to juggle, so I got to learn some new juggling tricks and to teach some of the things I know as well, which is always a lot of fun. I seem to fall into teaching mode very easily and enjoy sharing my skills with others. So um, at the end of Sunday, we had a closing ceremony and then they they announced where the next polyglot gathering will take place. The first one was in Berlin. I think I mentioned that. And it was in Berlin for three years. And I went to all of those. And then it moved to Bratislava about three years ago. So there's been three in Berlin and three in Bratislava. And I've been to five of them. I didn't go to the first one in Bratislava because I foolishly had a little accident while ice skating in London and broke my ankle. I wasn't really fit to travel at the time, unfortunately. And I'm quite glad that I didn't, because I would have struggled getting around. There was lots of steps at the university. So, although it's a shame I missed it, it's probably a good thing that I didn't go. Anyway, so the next polyglot gathering in 2020 will be in Terezin. It's a small town near Warsaw in Poland. And it'll take place in a big hotel. And there's space in the hotel for 300 guests. So I think the polyglots will take over the whole hotel. Well, this year's polyglot gathering had 730-something registered participants. And over 650 actually turned up. And they came from 80 different countries and spoke between them 120 different languages, at least. Quite impressive. So in Poland, if it's as big as that, only half the participants will be staying actually at the hotel. So it will be a different feel to it, because in in Bratislava it took place in a big university, and we were staying in various places in the town. I was staying near the university, about 10-15 minutes walk away in an Airbnb apartment, and a lot of people were staying in the town. And one great thing about Bratislava was during the gathering, we could use our name badges, because everybody had a badge that had their name and where they live and which languages they know best or want to practice. And we could use those for free public transport during the whole of the gathering and the day after on the trams and buses in Bratislava. So many people use that to get from their accommodation in the old town into the to the university, to the venue. And I used that a couple of times as well, so it was very handy. So, yes, the next year's gathering will be a bit different, I think, because everything will be taking place in one venue, a bit like the the Berlin ones, because in Berlin it took place in a great big uh, youth hostel, and there were fewer people, there was a limited number of spaces, I mean, maximum 300, and most people were staying in the hostel. All the talks and other activities took place in the hostel, and there was a bar there, and there was a canteen, we ate in the canteen. So I think the next year's 2020s um, Polyglot Gathering will be kind of similar, although in probably a better quality hotel. So that gives you an idea of what happens at these Polyglot events. If you've never been to one and you are interested in languages, you speak a few, you're learning some, I would recommend giving one a go. The next one I know of is the Montreal Language Festival, or Langfest, from the 23rd through the 25th of August 2019. And then the next Polyglot Conference will be in Fukuoka in Japan from the 18th to the 20th of October 2019. The Polyglot Conference is similar to the gathering, but um, only takes place over two days, a weekend, and in a different venue each year. I talked about the Polyglot Conference in Slovenia last year, Ljubljana, and I haven't decided if I'm going to the conference in Japan this year. 
and it is a long way to go, and it will cost a lot of money. And it's not that I can't afford it, it's just, do I want to go all that way? Because I'm not all that keen on long-haul flights like that. I have been to Japan before, and I speak Japanese, and it would be a good excuse to brush up my Japanese and see a bit more of Japan. But um, it depends on whether I can find a good deal on flights and accommodation. And, And also, in 2020, there's a new thing a polyglot cruise. This is organised by my friend Chris Brougham, who is the man behind the actual Fluency podcast, which will take place between the 18th and the 20th of April 2020, departing from Barcelona on the Costa Pacifica, a large cruise liner. And it's described by Chris as a seven-day all-inclusive luxury holiday in the Mediterranean, in the company of fellow language learners, amazing polyglots, podcasters, and many more. It sounds great. It's quite expensive. It's about £650 for the week for a basic cabin, and more if you want to have your own cabin. And now it's time for a little song, I think. This is one I mentioned earlier, Echoes on the Tongue, or at Senia Aratavod, a song I wrote earlier in 2019 from the point of view of the words of an endangered language. Bye. 
If you'd like to know more about the Polyglot Gathering or other events, you can go to omniglot.com slash events to see what's coming up. You can find notes on this episode and other episodes of the Radio Omniglot podcast on omniglot.com slash radio. You can also leave your comments and suggestions there. You can contact me on email at feedback at omniglot.com. My name is Simon Eger. I hope you found this interesting. If you feel inspired to take part in the Polyglot event, then maybe I'll see you sometime at one of the future ones. If not, have fun with all your language-related adventures. So from Polyglot Land and from me, it's goodbye for now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening.